You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hi, I'm John Billings, and you're listening to Monkeying Around. Hey, hey, we're Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys. I'm Veronica Daschle. I'm Elaine Swetman. And I'm Charles Kelso. And we're too busy monkeying around to put anybody down. Welcome back to Monkeying Around. This week, we are joined by John Billings, currently of Mickey Dolan's band. So welcome, John. We're very excited to have you. Hey, guys. It's good to see y'all. You too. Yeah. Yeah. You've had a pretty um, interesting history of of playing in bands. Tell us a little bit about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I've been working for some different artists over the years. I think the one that... um, Everybody hears me go on and on and on about is because uh, she's on the she's um, out in social media right now so much is Donna Summer. I worked with Donna Summer for 16 years. I started with her back in 1995, and she's got an amazing documentary that her daughter Brooklyn produced um, that's out right now on HBO Max. And mm-hmm. like begging people to go and watch it. I am not in it. I'm in like the last 30 <laughs> seconds of the whole thing. <laughs> you can't even see me. It's like my silhouette. Only my wife knows. She goes, "That's you. I recognize you." <laughs> But um, it's a great story. It's got some stuff in it that um, is very revealing about her life and and stuff that I didn't even know that I got it was a complete shock to see. Um, but it was beautiful. It's a great story about her. And I from from Donna, I I worked with Donna for sixteen years. And through and when you're when you're a professional like side man, <laughs> journeyman <laughs> side man, um, you you play with different people because mm-hmm. no one stays on the road all the time, and um, you always. Uh, yeah, I get paid when I play for somebody. I don't. I'm not on a salary per se. Right. So I'd be played with Donna, and then Donna would go. I'm not going to do anything for six months. And you're like, well, I maybe something else would come along, and something you know, other things would. I'd play with some other country artists. Um, I was out on the road for on and off for a year for um, a lady named Shelly Wright, and um, that was a lot of fun. I did some. I did um, two different runs with Winona over the course of a bunch of years, where I was with one group with her. And then skipped a bunch of years, and then another band was put together, and I was with that band. And actually, at one point, I was doing the Monkees, Winona. This is this is after Donna passed. I was doing Monkees and Winona. There was a while there when I was doing Mickey, Winona, and Donna. Wow, <laughs> which was crazy. But you know, Donna would take time off. Then there'd be some Mickey dates, and then on these other weekends when Mickey wasn't working, you know, uh, yeah. there's Winona. I'd yeah. have a weekend with her. So I was able to just bounce, bounce around. Um, here in Nashville, I played with um, a band called, a family called the Wooten Brothers. Mm. And I did that for about 14 years. So that was a, like a Wednesday night thing. I'd do that when I was in town and available. And that was a lot of fun. And and people who come to Nashville know all about the yeah. Wootens. They're actually, the family band's actually right now in Australia oh. um, doing a big tour. So yeah, I would just play with different folks. So Rick Springfield, I spent a year with Rick Springfield and that was a, that was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. And uh, talk about some crazy rabid fans. Wow. Those ladies. Yeah. They had deep pockets and big yeah. hearts. <laughs> <laughs> they'd follow him to the, uh, they'd follow him around the world. It was pretty amazing. Wow. Um, those were like the biggies that I did, you know? Um, and then I did a bunch of one-off kind of stuff that uh, honestly, if I had to sit here and think about it, I'd miss half of them. But you know, like I did a one-off yeah. of Lita Ford, that was so much Ooh. fun. I went down to Florida with her with her drummer. And this is really before she got back out touring. This is before her her big divorce. And she really she wasn't gigging at all. Mm. She was just raising kids. 
And then she had a show that came up out of nowhere and she decided to do it. And so um, her old drummer, she called her old drummer. He called me. We all went down to Florida, practiced in her living room. <laughs> and then <laughs> the awesome. next day did a show. And that was so much fun. I wish I had like a hundred more of those because she's just the coolest. Yeah. Um, I used to play with a guy named Ty Herndon on and off. I'd fill in for other friends who had, you know, like steady gigs and they'd have a, something that would come come up and break the commitment and I'd step in and, and help out with them. Um, with Winona, I got to do a gig with Patty LaBelle, who I love, Ooh. adored. Winona invited her to join her, so I had to do some Patty stuff. Like, I didn't have to. I loved it. <laughs> um, so different folks like that. Paul, I did a one-off with Paul Anka with Donna Summer, ironically enough. We had a show where uh-huh. we were all playing together, and, and Paul would hire a band, a local band. But since Donna's band was going to be in the same room, same gear, same everything, and we all read music, you know, they sent us charts to practice. And uh, so I played in a Paul Anka gig and that was, that was fun. That's amazing. And just lots of one-offs like that. So yeah. there you go. There's just, you know, <laughs> there's a small, that, you know, that that's everything post metal years, yeah. right? <laughs> Pre-metal years. We're just going to pretend like that never happened. <laughs> well, we became familiar with you playing with Mickey Dolans or for Mickey's yeah. band. I mean, what was your experience with the monkeys you know, before you were a musician? All right. Well, this is the part where the interview where everybody goes, <laughs> I, I didn't really know much more about the monkeys than what I would hear on the radio. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I loved, you know, every, we all love what we hear on the radio, of course, you know, like Pleasant Valley Sunday and, and Clarksville. Those are the songs at Daydream Believer and this, the hits, you know, and I, I'd, I'd always heard them. I heard them my whole life since I was a little boy, um, but I didn't dive any deeper than that. And I always, I always tell people that, Obviously, there's only three channels when I grew up, plus yeah. PBS, which really isn't a real channel. Let's be real here. <laughs> they're, not, they're kind of the wannabe channel. But um, I don't remember watching the monkeys in my home growing up. In the, and I'm, I'm 56, so I'm as old as they are. They're 56 right. and I'm 56. Uh, I was born the week that they came on TV, which is – that is a little crazy coincidence. Wow. Wow. We had our 50th anniversary uh, birthdays on the same night in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, we, we both turned 50, and my birthday was that night of all weirdness. Wow. Um, yeah. But I don't really remember them that much. I remember I'd go visit cousins in the D.C. area, and they had two shows that I just thought were the most amazing shows. And it was uh, Ultraman and the Monkees. Mm-hmm. And that, I would see that when I was a little kid over at their house. And that's how I remember. I remember the Monkees from – being really young, I mean, super young and seeing it at my cousin's house. And um, there's like flashes in my brain of certain scenes that always, that always uh, stand out to me. But uh, Mickey talking to Mr. The, 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 the puppet, you know, yeah, Mr. Schneider, he'd be talking to yeah. Mr. Schneider in the background, like just, you know, they had right. like a conversation. I remember that, like that's one of those weird things burned in my brain. Yeah. But that was really literally my big exposure to it. And then years and years later, um, Back, I think it's 2009, Wayne Avers and I met on a gig in Nashville. Wayne had just moved to Nashville just a little before then. Hmm. And Wayne's been with them for 25 years. He's been there forever. Right. He's done more gigs than any monkey other than Mickey Dolan's. <laughs> Did you know wow. that? Wow. Wayne, it goes Mickey, Wayne, and I think Davey. Isn't that yeah. crazy? So, yeah. So anyway, I meet Wayne. We're playing in a blues blues gig together, and um, we get to know each other. It, I'm talking we're talking one night and i go what else do you do he goes well i play with the monkeys and i was like the monkeys which is the question everyone always first asks they always go the monkeys right yeah, the yeah. monkeys there's yeah. only one <laughs> um and he 
he they were at the time they had lost their bass player he had passed away mm-hmm. and they were trying this is with mickey this was actually wasn't the monkeys at the time it was right. just mickey dolan's mm. and wayne said we're having trouble get with fielding a bass player you, you know you, you you're doing these gigs so i know you could do this this is an easy thing for you would you come out and i did and my first gig was in uh tacoma washington and uh at and a Sears parking lot. <laughs> he had set up a stage. <laughs> it was an wow. outdoor deal. I had and I played with Wayne the night before. Like this is a Saturday gig. Friday night, he and I were at the blues bar playing until one in the morning. Right. And I was charting songs and making a book of every of the you know, he gave me the set list and recordings and I made it charts of everything and brought my and studied my book, practice all night, didn't go to bed, just packed my suitcase, head to the airport. Listened on the plane, listened back and forth, reading the charts, listening to the music. Felt pretty good about it. Um, I got a quick nap when we landed and got to our hotels, like a quick, like hour. And then it was off to sound checking, off to the show. Mm-hmm. And um, I was punchy, man. I was so out of it <laughs> at this point. You know, I, I was been up for 20 some odd hours and. And they, and Wayne is as a ulti, is a practical joker. No, you know, oh, no. no one ever expects that because he seems so straight laced. He's a total <laughs> practical joker. And so, what's funny to him is put people in uncomfortable situations. So it does. Right. Is, we're outdoors, so they what they'll usually do on an outdoor gig they'll rent little campers hmm. and put people in campers. So they had a camper for Mickey and Coco and a camper for the band. So Wayne grabs me and goes, "Let's go meet the boss." Okay, and I follow him in. I had my little book of charts with me. Um, and we walk in, and uh, and that's that first moment when you go, oh wow, that that really is Mickey Dolan's that's <laughs> yeah. the guy. That's the guy that's talking, you know, to the to the the puppet. Wow. Um, and there's Coco, and he walks me. He goes, hey guys, this is our, our bass player. This is John Billings, John, Mickey, and Coco. And I meet them, and Mickey looks at me seriously and goes, hey, it's good to meet you, buddy. Um, how you feel about today? And I went, I don't know any of this stuff. I'm completely <laughs> lost. Uh, how are you doing? You know, that kind of thing. I thought to me, that was really funny. That was not funny to Mickey. Mickey looked at Coco and she looked at him and I was like, Oh, what have we done? <laughs> and then Wayne, in, in total typical Wayne walks out and leaves me with them. You know? <laughs> that, that awkward three person, you know, stare triangle. Right. You know, silence. Okay. That's great. All right. Well, I'll step out now. See ya. But it was great. It, worked, it, it was a great show. I did and then Wayne said, "Hey, look, do you want to do another one? Yeah, I'll do another one. I did another one." And then he said, "Look, when if the, if this is something you want to do, you I know you're working with Donna, and I know you got the stuff with Winona. If you have time, and it falls in your schedule, we'd love to have you. So I would just I'd do some dates here and there. I'd miss some. He'd have we have some subs, and then eventually he just said, "Look, if you want it, it's your gig." And uh, so it became my gig, and that's it's been a great great run. It's been a pretty amazing experience. Wow. And along the way, I, unfortunately, I lost Donna and, and, uh, Winona, you know, was like, it's me or the highway kind of thing. So mm-hmm. unfortunately, I went the highway. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it was great. It's just been a great run. It's been so cool. And I can't believe it's still going. It's kind of crazy. I never, you know, it's one of those things you do one or two of and you just assume it's going to be one or two. And then right. yeah. you look in a, in a decade later and beyond, you're still doing it. Wow. Yeah. Going back a little bit, I mean, how did you get into music? Oh my God, that's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> I was a kid, and my, uh, there was music all around me. You know, it's like that yeah. typical story. My dad was kind of a frustrated musician, mm. but he had. Uh, do you guys remember? I don't know how old you guys look like teenagers to me. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the grandpa, literally the grandpa. Um, 
they used to have organ stores. They had Lowry organ stores. Okay. And there'd be a store that had nothing but these organs that you could go in and play. And they had little beat boxes on them and it had two registers. And if you push one button of the lower register, it'd have a, you know, ding, 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 you know, it'd play a rhythm and a, and, a, and, and major or minor. And, right. And then on the top, you'd play your little melody on the top register and just big, easy number charts. And my dad bought one of those and he'd be playing. My grandfather had instruments, and I grew up next to my grandfather. He had the house next to us, so I go and sneak mm. around and look in his violin and look at his guitars. And I've got his guitar over here, actually, right next to me. That I used to beat up with the pick. I scrape <laughs> it with the pick because it looks so cool with the wood. <laughs> it's not cool to do that, but I did it. No. Um, and then you know, just messing around. My mom would get me a chord book and kind of learn some chords, and I'd see my grandfather play, and that would make me want to go and learn something. Um, I got into sixth grade. I noticed all the kids were, some of the kids were leaving the class and going somewhere else in the middle of the day. And I couldn't figure out what that was all about. <laughs> and they said, well, they're the orchestra kids. They go, they go off and do orchestra out in the trailer out back, which mm. shows you how important orchestra is. Gotta go out <laughs> right. to the trailer out back. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted out of class. So I said, I'm in, I'm an orchestra. <laughs> I joined up. They needed uh, somebody on cello. So I volunteered for cello and I love, I grew to love cello. I really did. Mm. And um, along the way, I'm growing up. I'm now 14 years old. I play strum a little guitar. I play my cello. I can read music. And I decide I want to play bass. And my father, for my birthday, gives me a uh, gives me and my brother. Uh, he gets my brother gets a guitar and an amp, and I get a. Well, we actually shared the same amp. That was a terrible situation. <laughs> <laughs> he had a guitar. I had a bass, and we had one amp. I had two <laughs> plugs. My dad was like, "You both are just use an amp," you know. <laughs> No one can get louder than the other guy. That's the problem. We're all trapped to <laughs> this amp. And uh, so I started playing when I was 14. I bought, you know, a bass book. My mom and dad got me like a bass, you know, starter book and just teaching yeah. myself playing scales and reading notes and little songs to be reading helped me accelerate my learning because mm. I could do a lot of it on my own. Mm. I'd get some lessons along the way, point me in a different direction, then keep moving that way. Right. And um, by 15, I was doing a gig or two here and there with friends. And then 16, I got a, my first professional job. I worked at a theme park that was 30 miles away. So I just got my driver's license and I was driving to the other side. I was on the south side of Richmond. This is on the north side of Richmond in a place called King's Dominion. And I played in a surf show playing 60s music. <laughs> Again, how crazy ironic is that? Right. You know, and I actually did some gigs of, uh, for a while with Gary Lewis and the Playboys. Oh, no, and I was wow. playing songs back then, like This Diamond Ring, a bunch of Gary Lewis stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I'm in Gary's band. I'm like, this is so weird. I'm playing with the guy who sang this stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, but playing it with the, and, the, and all the kids, and I'm 16, I was a junior in high school. And uh, it was a, it's one of those jobs at a theme park where you work spring, summer, fall. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a dream job for me. I was just, I was in heaven, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience. I'd, I'd work six days a week and play like five to six shows a day. Mm. They were like 45, I think it was a 45 minute show or something like that. And then between shows, we'd go out on stage and just jam. And everyone else was college music guys right. and girls. So there's a uh, girl on piano named Lucy Lawrence, who was an amazing left-hand bass player, ironically. And she taught me more about bass than any of my bass teachers ever did. Wow. And, the drummer, they're all music school students. So they're all playing R&B and jazz. I'm brand spanking new at this whole thing. You know, yeah. I've been playing two years. So all of a sudden now here I am with these collegiate uh, music kids from the D.C. area. And it was uh, the education from that was 
I, I, I couldn't have started any other way and gotten as far as I did. It was th- that, that launched me. It just pushed me further, being yeah. with better people all the time. I grew up with just nothing but musicians who were, you know, my wife always says, don't be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> and it's the same with music. If you can play with people who are better than you, it just it makes you grow so much more to try to to try to chase after them. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and of course, then you're young. You got all the time in the world to practice and listen and <laughs> yeah. and grow. And uh, yeah, that was it. It was I was hooked at that point. Wow. So when you're playing with you know folks like Donna Summers or Mickey Dolan's, a lot of songs that people know by heart, right? And so I know like in the Monkey shows. I mean, a lot of times it's as close to the record as you can get, I would guess. And other times it's, you know, really interesting sort of reinterpretations or new arrangements yeah. of the songs. I mean, That's is there, correct. Do, do you have a preference or, I mean, is one more fun than the other or is one more challenging than the other? They're, they're, they're equally as challenging. That's what I, I think. It's easier to kind of go freewheeling and go like, well, the song kind of goes like that, but we're going to do this anyway. I feel like that. And some, some gigs you play on, you know, I felt, I felt like Rick Springfield wanted, he played these songs for 40 years and he was kind of like, I'm over it. Let's have yeah. fun. And uh, you could stretch a little bit more, rock more, you know, put a little more edge on stuff. Um, Winona was like that. Her The songs that were by the Judds by Winona, we, we played like those originals, real simply, right. uh, very, very traditional. But then she'd want to take her pop country stuff and she would... Um, she would rock it all up. She wanted to be in Zeppelin so bad, you know. So we yeah. would do rock and roll by Led Zeppelin, you know. Right. And you would get to really not not stretch, but you get to just put a different spin on it. Yeah. Um, Andrew Sandoval really, really wants us to play the, the parts. Right. Right. Um, but I enjoy that too. Like I said, it's always a challenge. If it's something that that makes me have to think about it and not fall into. Uh, <laughs> you could play a whole concert and think about something else the entire time. <laughs> here's the guy who can do it. I've been thinking about, oh, I didn't get my taxes done in time. And then I got to get this thing done on Monday when I get back. And you're in the middle of a song because you've done it. You get this rote um, muscle memory. Right. So it's kind of cool when you have to really nail something, you you know, get it under your fingers and, and, and play it because everybody in the audience is going to know if it's mm-hmm. different or not, or at least Ken Mills. Ken Mills will know. He always <laughs> right. when I'm very when I'm getting off the path. Um, <laughs> you know, you it's a it's it's a good thing. It's a, it it keeps it interesting. I love both. I played a I played a tribute gig for about three years. It was a Carpenters tribute, and uh, I love that gig. And that gig was note for note. And actually, mm-hmm. I, the problem I had with it is I I learned how to read read it first. It was all written out note for note as the originals were. And then I could never, once you start reading it, you can never break away. Right. It's right. like you, your brain goes, no, I must have that paper or I cannot play this song. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so I would read it every night, but um, that was note for note. And mm. I loved, I love that music. And so it made, it, it was an interesting challenge to read it every night and, and, and nail those parts by uh, Joe Osborne is mm. another amazing, prolific bass player. And I got to meet Joe, um, with Winona, of all things, we were down in, in uh, Louisiana and, and somebody brought Joe Osborne out. And that was that was an amazing day to get to sit with that guy and just pick his brain a little bit about, you know, he's, he was one of the Wrecking Crew guys. He played on Monkey stuff. He's right. It was I don't, I don't know. I know yeah. I'm a bass guy, so I'm going to geek out about it a little bit. <laughs> like, Is that related to Joan Osborne? <laughs> well, but yeah, there's different challenges. All these gigs bring different challenges. And um. They've all been, I've never felt like they were, you know, when you get to that level, it all matters. Mm. When you're in a nightclub, it don't matter. 
Right. It really yeah. doesn't. You can do right. whatever you want. You can get bored and try some stuff or whatever. When people are paying tickets, paying for tickets to come in and traveling across the country and getting hotel rooms, it matters. Mm. And that means that they're real fans and they know how it's supposed to go. So you, kinda, <laughs> right. you need to do it right. Yeah. 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 Well, I think also, especially like this last where you were doing the headquarters album, because that's what people were there to hear with the headquarters album. And if you deviate from the album, People know about the album. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Nez had Nez liked to do that. He liked to like, let's do something different. And you know, we're like, oh well, you know. That's the third rail of oldies music. You don't want to do something different. They want to hear the new the new record, you know. They, they want to hear the hits. Keep them coming. Right. That's something I think that he wrestled with. And then Andrew was very diplomatic about steering him back into no, we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna just keep Keep it like it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's fun for us, though, that, I mean, we go to as many Monkeys concerts as we can get to. It's kind of fun to have a new interpretation of a song that we've not heard before. I mean, is it? do you get to contribute a lot um, yeah. in the in the process? Uh, <laughs> would you want the honest answer or the showbiz answer? <laughs> showbiz would be like, yeah, we're all contributing 100%, bro. Uh, no, uh, that's chaos. That's what you call chaos. That's mutiny. Right. Um no, you need to have, you, you usually need to get, the artist will have an idea and the musical director will try to interpret that idea. And and then we, we if we have a moment, we feel that we can offer something to it that makes some sense and, or can bridge two parts, but usually yeah. you don't want eight people all offering their amazing advice. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't want eight opinions flying around no. in the creative process. You know, even the Beatles had Paul. Let's go. Let's be real here. <laughs> so, but sometimes the artists, you know, like Nez would always kind of want to like do, let's go back and do this or let's do the jam thing here. You know, he, he kind of like Mickey, it's just, it's Mickey's a smooth sailing. He just wants it to um, go like it's going to go. Or you sh if you have an idea, Wayne will present that to him. If he likes yeah. it, we'll, we'll do it. We contribute on our instruments. We might, how can I put this? And that sound like a total dork. <laughs> um, you know, Rich and I will fall into some stuff sometimes together. And we'll mm -hmm. we'll connect on an idea, um, and and go from there. And it's something that maybe only he and I really realize that we're connect we're communicating as a rhythm section on. Mm -hmm. um, and the guitar players might might even be picking up on it. The audience might need to be picking up on it. But we're putting a little bit different spin on something to give it a different just a different vibe, but not too much. You don't want to go too left. And you know, and as much as you say, you know, Charlie, you're like, I want. To hear a different spin on the songs, there's a guy sitting next to you or a girl to sit next to you is going, I don't want to hear a different song, different <laughs> right. song. Right. That, so you, you get both. I hear both, you know, I hear people like, I love the fact that it's just like the records. And then literally a fan will come up and go, I wish you guys would stretch it out. Or I wish you just, <laughs> I've heard this a thousand times too. I've been to a thousand concerts. It'd be great to hear you jam. I'm like, well, that ain't gonna, there ain't going to be no jam. <laughs> but we maybe, maybe something will come of it. And Mickey shows will take some chances sometimes. The monkeys, no. I mean, the monkeys, yeah. I think we're kind of locked in. Donna Summer yeah. used to, everything had a rock spin on Donna stuff, which is interesting because she, you know, she's known for disco and known for that mm -hmm. four on the floor groove, dance groove. But Donna liked it rocking. Mm. Um, she always wanted to be a rock musician, like, you know, like uh, uh, Janis Joplin. Donna right. loved Janice. Right. She kind of would take on that voice at times. So yeah. if we did, like, when we would do hot stuff, um, Hot stuff is like a synthesized bass part. It's real groovy, disco-y, and it, you know, it's it's a rocking tune. But really, at the root of it, if you listen to it, it's synthesized and um, 
skanky guitar, but when we played live, it was slash, you know, and I'd be just playing eighth notes like I'm Duff McKagan and she'd be dancing around the room. So on her gigs, we would take those kind of liberties and she would sometimes throw, throw a curveball at us and go at sound check. We're going to do something different on this. I want the guitar player to solo. I want this, this piano solo to go a little longer. And I, I want us to get heavier. She would do that quite a bit. Hmm. And since the four on the floor kick drum and the groove was still there, I think the audience accept was more accepting of it because at the heart of her music was was dance. Like it yeah. still danced to yeah. it. But it was she yeah. definitely wanted to like get crazy on some stuff. And she would say, I've been playing these songs for you know 40 years. I I want to just do them the way I want to do them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. What he means to say is, we'll be right back after the commercial. People keep asking, are we back? Yeah, I guess we're back. Back to talk about cigars, movies, TV shows, and any other nerdy topics here on the Cigar Nerds Podcast. Check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com and ESONetwork.com. And we have a YouTube channel, at Cigar Nerd Podcast, where we do... Cigar reviews, live versions of the show, and any other dumb thing we think to record. Brock and I had the opportunity to go to um, Coco Dolan's birthday at Wine Down oh. Nashville. <laughs> yeah, and what a what a great little venue! That was the first uh, time we've been there. Thank you guys. There. I mean, we had lucky does... fans in there last night. It was so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, how did I walked Wine in, Down I was like, come oh, out? Oh. <laughs> Wine Down came about by. Um, a deliberate accident. Okay. <laughs> Amy and I, um, we were trying to have a, we'd always wanted to have a venue. We always wanted to try to have a, we we're trying to think, find a non, actually we we're trying to find a non-music line of work to kind of mm. fund our musical adventures and production yeah. adventures we were getting in and other things. We needed to have some, wanted to build a business that would bring in some, some positive cash flow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she had a great idea. She's like, we're going to have a, uh, a high-end package store in the heart of Donaldson, which is a little town that uh, is right next to Nashville. It's five miles from downtown, but where the airport is, it's it's a quiet little sleepy little town. But they, it was near where we lived, and we're like, this is perfect. We'll do a, a wine, a high-end package store, and we ran into some trouble with some local um, good old boy networks <laughs> that still are well, well in play in the South in modern yeah. Yeah. modern era. Yep. Um, we ran into trouble with them and ironically they didn't have any problem of us being a bar. So in the end we transitioned from being a package store of just high end wines and spirits to uh, a bar, the same concept, but in a bar. But then we're like, you know what, since we're a bar now we can have music we can have, we can have talks and we can do whatever we want to do. It could be the venue we wanted it to be, wanted it to be. And that's right. what it's become. And we always say our, our motto is the best wines and spirits you've never had. And we always are, our, our, our one rule we try to, we try to stick by, which is we get, We've got a wonderful distributor and we bring in wines and spirits that are not by the glass anywhere else. Mm. So if it's already, you know, if it's shown up at Applebee's for crying out loud, <laughs> we ain't got it. Right. Yeah. Know, uh, if you come and looking for Jack and Coke, that's not our thing. That's not what we got. But what we do have um, can outclass <laughs> Jack any day of the week. And um, it's pretty remarkable. And you're not going to be able to go and just find it anywhere else. You're not going to be able to go in and, and, and uh, go to a, a 
a, a bar downstairs or steakhouse or something and find mm-hmm. that bourbon or find that wine at, at one of their places. We've got it first. And once it starts to get out there, we just continue carrying it. We go and try to find something else yeah. to replace it. Yeah. And we'll have talks with them and we'll bring distributors out. They'll bring their people out and we'll have bourbon nights and wine nights and, and, uh, or tasting nights. And, uh, that's the, that's that side of it. The other side of it is we'll bring our friends up to do talks about their, their foray into music and entertainment. And, um, we had this thing on Tuesday night, so we kind of stopped doing it for COVID, obviously, but we're going to start back up again, which is called Off-Road Ramblings, which is my fit, personal favorite thing that we did. And we'd bring people on on Tuesday nights who have spent lives in the music business, and they would talk about their experiences and how they got from the start to right to that point. How did we get there and do it in under an, under an hour and a half, please? <laughs> <laughs> We've had Dolly Parton musicians. We've had Reba McIntyre musicians. We've had... Uh, the guys from the Kiss bands, Ace Frehley's band and Gene Simmons' nice. band, Philip Schaus and uh, and um, Jeremy uh, Asbrock have both mm-hmm. spoken there. We're gonna have Ryan, who's also Gene's Gene Simmons' other guy, who's uh, usually doing all the vocals. Ryan's gonna come in and do one. Um, we've had uh, Toby Keith's guitar player. I keep looking over my shoulder because I'm waiting for Amy to, like throw me answers. <laughs> Toby <laughs> Keith's guitar player, Marcus Finney was there. Marcus uh, played with me with Donna Summer. Um, for a number of years, and he is a f- fantastic jazz drummer. Yeah. We, and they'll come in, and they'll just, you know, I start talking to him. I like, I'm like, it's a p- live podcast. I go, yeah, yeah. How did you get here? Why, why are you sitting in that chair right there? Yeah, um, yeah. Tell us how. Where, where did it all start? You know, and they'll bring some some audio media with them sometimes, and those are great nights. That's just like makes it so much fun. I mean, we always pack the house, and I even had we have a I have a cousin who's a paranormal investigator for the last decade. It had him come in. And same thing, pack the house out, talk about ghosts all night long. That's awesome. <laughs> so it's whatever we can, that's whatever we're interested in. Frankly, you know, that's the one selfish thing about it. We get to do what we're interested in, but we always yeah. find that our, our audience, our crowd, our clientele, they love it too. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's wind down Nashville. We're, we're just north of the airport and um, it's fun. It's, a, it's so much fun. It's a labor, but it's a labor of love. That's so what great. do you have in the airport? You have something ah, in the airport. Yes, we do, Elaine. You know what we have in the airport? <laughs> we have a retail store called Nashville Jam Session. That's Amy's, Amy's That's other right, love in life jam. is yes. retail. She loves retail, loves selling and buying, but she mostly <laughs> selling. And we created a, uh, a spot. You can just take a little walk and you don't have to leave security and you can go right into our store and can pay us a visit. And we've got music related stuff in there. We've got uh, attire with t-shirts and hats. I've actually got some Mickey Dolan sign heads in there. We've got some uh, Mickey Dolan's photographs. Oh, cool. We have a, a, a wonderful um, illustrator named Guy Gilchrist who will draw on guitars for us. So if you've seen any of our social media, every now and then you'll see a guitar or a ukulele that has uh, artwork on it. Mm. That's Guy's done those. Guy worked yeah. for Jim Henson for a number of years. Oh, yeah. That's why I recognize yeah. the name. I was like, that name sounds oh, yeah. familiar. We're, okay. we're, we're puppet and Muppet people. So we're- there you go. So you know who Guy is. <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, yeah. He did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He had Nancy Comics for 30 years. I mean, the guy, his career is incredible. And he's an old friend of Amy's. And he's he's he oh, he does the comic con thing and all the, all the cons he's always at all of them mm. but he's never had a he's never had a brick and mortar store and so right. we're the first we're the only place on the planet you can go and specifically buy his artwork or stuff from him mm. um, is in our store you can get stuff online you can find stuff at the at, at shows but if you, if you go chase him down a show you can get him you know get him to do stuff for you or buy something from him. but if you wanted to buy something today right now and you were going to take a flight or you're passing through, connecting to Nashville, you can walk right into our store and buy some Guy Gilchrist. So 
that's a, usually the first thing you see when you walk in is you see a big old guy guitar right in the entrance. That's Ooh, awesome. Blast. So we had that open. Yeah, we opened up at the. Uh, I guess it was it was January the twenty fourth. We opened at four. We got there four a.m. Oh my god! Stayed <laughs> <laughs> up all night long and literally went home to shower and turn around and got back and opened at four a.m. <laughs> that was a crazy first day, but that's um that's another labor of love for us. We that's just it's so much fun doing that, and it's we're kind of at the tip of the iceberg with that. We um. We have multimedia that'll be coming and playing in there. People will perform in there. You can actually perform. Uh, we just haven't, we've been so busy getting it stocked and up and running that we haven't even gotten to the other side of that, which was bringing people in. Actually, Amy's done two so far. We did see Guy Gilchrist had a signing there. So you could walk in the airport and there's Guy drawing <laughs> right there. Um, we had, uh, oh my God, uh, who else? Don, Don Jameson from That Metal Show. Uh, mm-hmm. Don Jameson was in there doing the signing for two hours. So people were walking up going, you're Don Jameson. <laughs> so we want to do more of that. We want that to be like a once a week, twice a month kind of a thing. Yeah. With different, some of our friends or maybe they're passing through Nashville. We'll come a couple hours early and, you know, stand out in front of our place and bring your merch and we'll sell, t- we'll, you know, we'll sell t-shirts, you sign, sign autographs, do photographs, that kind of thing. Hmm. Get yeah. your message awesome. out. Yeah. That's, so awesome. that's that's Nashville jam session. Well, that's great. Do you get a lot of time to be in Nashville? It seems like you're on the road all the time. <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. It feels like I'm on the road. I'm not so much, you know, like for instance, this last, uh, the last Mickey geek we did was in Louisville at Abbey road on the river. Okay. It's three hours from me. So I actually drove, I drove the day of the show. I got, oh, I got up and okay. split at 9am and I was there for sound check, uh, stayed overnight and drove back the next day. I was home by like one in the afternoon. Nice. Um, before that, it was Iowa. We always fly out the day before. Um, you don't want to fly, ever fly the day of a show. No, no. <laughs> I think we all understand why that is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't do that. No. Um, yeah. So we typically, if it's if it's a Mickey Saturday, I fly out sometime on Friday, uh, spend the night. You know, we'll all go out to dinner, hang out a little bit, have some drinks, go to bed, wake up. Um, we've got our show day, and then the next morning I'm flying home. So if we're not too far off, if I'm not on the West Coast or something like that, I'm home. By lunchtime, maybe three o'clock. It's a uh, mm-hmm. in and out. Um, Mickey recently did. We did a five week run, which to me that's that's long. That's a long time to be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we're all we all feel the same way. We're always like, oh my god, five weeks. <laughs> you know, that's a. Some people think that that was an amazingly cool thing, and you know, I probably I shouldn't be complaining and whining. You know, being <laughs> able to do what we do is pretty cool. Yeah. This is hard. It's hard to be away from my grandkids. It's hard to be away from my own kids. I have teenage daughters. Hello. So yeah, I don't right. want to be gone too much because <laughs> who knows what's going on. While I'm not here. Um, and just being part of the family, you can't do that being gone. And that's become so much it's, it's it's always been important but it's becoming more and more important to me uh now i've got grandkids not to be gone too much right um so it's hard that was that's a tough one mm-hmm. i love the one-offs i love the two-offs those i i have fun doing it, you know yeah. i get to get out of town for a minute and see a new city for and or an old city and wander around do a couple of shows they're fun and get home right and that's i love that that's cool mm-hmm. Yeah, when Veronica and I saw you on the Firepower cruise. Okay, yeah. And then immediately afterward, we drove to from Miami to Orlando and met up with Elaine and her husband and saw you at the Orlando show. <laughs> but we were really just delighted that it was two very different shows. Yeah. Yeah, um, that was really cool. 
Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. Remember that the firepower cruise was. That's what I always tell people. Mickey Dolan's and the monkeys are two different entities. Right. 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 Yeah. So when we do the monkeys, usually it's we're doing a a different. It's a different type of show. It's got mm -hmm. audio media going on. Uh, we've got the videos and the, the photos and stories, and Mickey shows are more about. We do obviously we're doing monkey stuff, but he loves to do Beatles and he'll do Chuck mm -hmm. Berry and he'll do throw you know Ch Coco does a song or two in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, they're different kind of things. So that cruise was a Mickey cruise that we had booked. Mm -hmm. and right. Was I guess was a COVID cancellation? I think maybe. Mm. And we were it was kind of a redo for us. Okay. Or do over. And then that sailed right into the monkeys. <laughs> that was a trip. Yeah. 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 So I packed for Mexico, and then I ended up. Uh, a week later, week and a half later in Virginia, freezing my butt off. Yeah. <laughs> it was still April, early April is chilly on the East yeah. Coast. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Amy yeah. came out and Amy brought me some, like a jacket. And then the, the, towards the end in Massachusetts, she, or in, uh, where did she bring me a coat? She brought me a coat. I think it was in, wasn't it Massachusetts? No, she brought me a coat in uh, Niagara Falls. Mm -hmm. She actually oh, had to bring yeah. me a coat. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. It was because it, it was chilly, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. I and, went up um, to Canada one time and it was snowing at the end of April. Yeah. <laughs> it's done that in Georgia. We we're all before. telling each yeah. ourselves, we're like, oh, it's the end of April. It's going to be great. That's a great time to be. No, it was chilly. Yeah. yeah. You know, it went, it'd be, the sun would be out. It'd be nice. As soon as a cloud would come along, you're like, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> so she had to bring me, I was, I did, I packed all wrong. And I literally worked, I worked all the week before. I'm a, a video editor. So I had worked the whole week before. And then the night before I left, we had an event at the bar. And it was really important that Amy and I were going to be at that event. And so I left work that afternoon. It was a Thursday afternoon, went to the bar, did the event till about midnight and then packed Oh, geez. <laughs> for my five weeks. <laughs> and uh, I slept for a couple of hours, I think two or three hours and then got up and uh, uh, dragged myself there. I actually got Amy's flight was earlier than mine. She, we had two different flights. She, she went uh -huh. with me on that. So I took her and got her to the airport and then I got parked and um, got myself uh, on my flight. <laughs> it was, wow. Well, that was a hard one. And then I got <laughs> to Mexico and opened my suitcase and was like, what is this? <laughs> I, like, I didn't pack short socks and I didn't have this thing. I had no jackets, not a single jacket. And of course it was like 90 down there. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, as soon as we got, we get to Florida, hey, Florida still feels really good. Yeah. Let's go yeah. to Virginia. Oh my God. Now it's cold. <laughs> now it's sixty, right? No, so anyway, sorry. I got out. That was just. I just. <laughs> the thrills that was of the like tours. the worst packing fail I've ever. <laughs> so what is what is the longest you've been solidly on the road before? It was with Michael Nesmith. It was a mm. uh, Mickey and Michael. It was the Mike and Mickey show, mm. the one where we lost Nez at the end. Um, right. Yeah. We ended at the Greek. That was the longest I'd ever been. Oh, that was hard. Mm. That yeah. was not an easy one for me. Um, just it was just too long to be away from home. I was, right. I was really homesick and missing my people. I didn't get to see my kids very much. Didn't see the grandkids at all. Mm. Um, actually, I only had one at that point. <laughs> this is before <laughs> the other one. But still, she knows she misses her papa, and I miss her. And you know, video is only so good. You can't hold yeah. them and hug them. But yeah, that was fine. that was two and a half months for me. Wow. Oh, wow. And if you're in some rock and roll band and you're on just, you know, some year long exodus. That's, a, that's part of that. But I've never been involved in that scene. So mm -hmm. this was hard. This was really hard for me. Yeah. Wow. That was a long time to be away from home for me. Yeah. But uh, we saw a lot of places, saw a lot of new places. Um, 
I got to connect with people. I think one of the fun things I do on the road is I try to connect with all my old bandmates from other bands. Mm. So nice. like, I'm always trying to see, you know, that when we lost Donna, I remember at the funeral, one of the things, you know, it's, it's bad enough that Donna's gone and we were hurt and we're all feeling that. And she died to us. She died silent, uh, suddenly. We didn't know she was sick. She didn't tell anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. So when she, the day she died, I found out, that's how I found out. I found out a few hours before they announced it. Mm. So, I realized at her funeral that I was never going to see all these people around me that had flown in for that again in the right. same room. We're, and wow. we were a family. We've been, most of us have been together for 16 years. Yeah. And that was over. Donna wow. was the reason that we were together. So when we lost Donna, there went the reason for us all to connect. Right. So when I travel now, uh, I try to connect with as much of them as possible. So mm. uh, funny enough, when we all got to Cancun, for the and met the boat for Flower Power Cruise, there was Donna's guitar player. He was in the Mamas and Papas. He was Papa. Oh, oh no! Okay. <laughs> that was Donna Summer's guitar player. They were wow. fantastic. Yeah, they, they were, were great. fantastic. They sounded so good. And they did. Um, I had no idea. I was we were in the hotel lobby to get on the boat. And he was standing right there, and my wife has never met him. Um, and I and I've talked about him for years. You know, we, we were so close. And I said, "That's Randy Mitchell over there." <laughs> Ran over, and, you know. We went out to dinner on the ship, and it was it was great. It was so nice. And then we get to like uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey area. We have a whole bunch of crew members. I only got to connect with one there, and then in Long Island, I got to meet the video guy Rob. Um. <sighs> Who else did I see on this one? It's always different, you know. When I go to Pennsylvania, I'll see the drummer George. He's in Pittsburgh. Um, I'll bump into folks all around the country like that. That we because no one's ever from the same town. We're all from all over. We just fly in for a gig, right? And yeah. I'm in California. I'll try to connect with some people. Uh, I think on that trip you're talking about the Mikey Mickey show, I got to see Brooklyn Sudana, and that's Donna's middle child mm. who okay. produced the doc. So we're, that's what we got to find out about the documentary. Yeah, um, and talk to her about that. So. That's what I like to do when I travel. I like to reconnect with with uh, old friends, old bandmates, family. That's that always feels good to me. Yeah, absolutely. You've been able to work with so many legendary acts. Is there someone out there that you'd like to go work with? Yeah, <laughs> everybody I want to look, you know. But it's totally, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love who I, I love Mickey. I love everybody I've ever worked with. I've had really good relationships, with the professional relationships and personal. Yeah. Um, but there's people I'd still love to play. I'd love to play a Shaka Khan. Um, I've ever since I was with Don. I mean, I'm a huge Rufus Shaka Khan fan. I'm a big R&B guy, mm-hmm. which yeah. everybody always seems to be surprised to hear. But <laughs> I love R&B music. You know, I wanted to be in, the reason I moved to Los Angeles. Los Angeles back in '87 was to be in Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> and waited for Ver, I was hoping Verdine would retire and they'd hire me, twenty-year-old <laughs> John Billings. To, right. You know, that's what I wanted to do back then. And um, yeah. so I've always been a Rufus and Shaka Khan fan. I used to make my kids sing I'm Every Woman uh, as loud as I could in the car. You know, they'd be like two and four screaming it out, you know. Um, adorable. Which now as teenagers, they don't remember any of that. And I'm like, God, I failed. Right. I totally failed. Yeah. My, my daughter's would, 16, so I, I empathize. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny, I've heard Grayson, my youngest is Grayson Joan. We have a, I have a Grayson Marie and a Grayson Joan. Oh, wow. Amy, Amy and I got married and we both had two kids, two girls. And uh, both our youngest are named Grayson. So that's not confusing <laughs> at all. Right. So Grayson Marie and Grayson Joan. But um, every now and then I've caught Grayson Joan singing 
you know, I call them oldies now, but she'll be singing songs that I used to play in bands with in clubs. And yeah, she, they pay attention to these songs because they have memorable melodies, memorable lyrics. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. we were listening to, we had a kiss was on the other day on the radio. I want to rock and roll. And she's singing along. <laughs> did that happen? <laughs> but anyway, Shaka was one of the people that I used to make force them to listen to growing up. And uh, I always wanted to play a Shaka. And then recently, um, one of our our monkeys rhino buddies uh is started working with shock and i was cryptically not so cryptically sending him notes like you know she's one of my favorites in the whole world and wow you know i was just my dream to play with you know and i'm sure he's like yeah whatever get in line right um i love shaka i love nine inch nails i'd love to work with trent Reznor. he would never work with me because i'm too old too gray too fat and my wife wife reminds me i smile too much so he does have a point She's probably right. You got to smile a lot less on that gig. Yeah. But I'd love that gig, you know. And, yeah. um, you know, I love Sting. I'd love to play with Sting. Of course, he's a bass player. So pff, there goes that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. The gigs that I want, the gigs that I've chased and gone after to get and used all my powers, my powers to get you, you call your friends and you, somebody's in the crew or the sound guy or this, the old bass player. I've, every time I've ever done, expended all that energy one of them was actually for nine inch nails was trying to they were between bass players and i was like burning the phone lines up <laughs> that stuff never happened yeah uh, the other stuff just was all accidental and and networking and somebody just needed a guy they you know i was just happened to be the name they pulled up on their phone that day and, and forwarded mm-hmm. to someone yeah. and um but everything i've ever chased after never materialized so i just always so I almost don't want to ever say that stuff out loud. I feel like I, yeah. I jinx myself. <laughs> but there's, you know, there's the Foo Fighters. That would be a great gig, especially now that Josh yeah. Freeze is on drums. Oh my God, my man crush Josh Freeze playing. That'd be a great gig. It'd be such a fun gig to play. But um, there you go. There's some like there uh, that I'd love to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what do you guys have coming up um, with with Mickey? really just the one-offs through the summer there's not a whole yeah. lot going on um i wish i could like whip them off the top of my head i know that we've right. got <laughs> four shows right now booked with the monkeys with andrew sandoval mm-hmm. um in september mm. and logic always tells me when there's one there's more because it's just you know that's a larger <laughs> yeah. enterprise to get out on the road and yeah. less is bad less is you know right because it takes so much to get that going you want they mm-hmm. want to pepper dates around so that makes yeah. me feel like there's going to be more stuff that's going to happen then um, but that's it. We're just doing, you know, we're doing these great gigs, opportunities when we get a chance, a lot of casino gigs. That's like, we're all, you know, older rock groups get to go and, and have their, <laughs> have their time in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Lots yeah. of those coming, I imagine. Yeah. Well, we really enjoyed the headquarters show. So we're, we're hopeful uh, for a Pisces show to follow it up. <laughs> I wouldn't see why not. I mean, that, that wouldn't surprise if Andrew was cooking something up for that. That would be yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I know if there's going to be another two and a half month adventure. But- <laughs> yeah. I just want you guys to come to Atlanta. Though. Please. Why, ha- why wouldn't we? I don't we know. Well, you said you were at headquarters. We had to go to oh, Orlando. I so, know. Yeah. You should have just driven to Virginia Beach. Come on. <laughs> that was a fun one. That was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that routing was interesting to me. But what it was was we were hitting markets we had not hit in recent mm. years. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's that, you know, in that sense, it made it made sense. But, yeah, I was kind of like, there's no Nashville. There's no uh, there's no Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, I was that, with you on that one. 
<laughs> yeah, the, the Orlando crowd was a great crowd, though. Oh, that, that was, was a cool game. That was a fun show. That was a super fun show. I had a good time with that. Yeah. And uh, I had a buddy playing in town. I was trying to see another thing. I was playing a guy I played with in Nashville, an amazing guitar player, had moved to Orlando, and I was trying to get down to his gig. Yeah. And he had, get this, he had Jason Momoa hanging out at his gig. <laughs> what? He, his friends oh. with Aquaman. Right. And he he told me, he goes, you want to be there? You got to be there. I'm like, oh, that's, that's right when we are playing. And you're yeah. 30, <laughs> 30 miles from me in Orlando. Oh. You're like, that's a that's a 60, 60 mile Uber round trip. That's very <laughs> yeah. expensive. Yeah. And and he's like, you really like want to come? Jason Momoa, come on. The next day on social media, there's Jason Momoa at the gig. And I was like, oh man. Wow. Whatever. Oh, Whatever. Well. oh yeah. well. I'll see him next time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Orlando was great. Um I love playing in Florida, so it's always fun for us. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. This was a total blast. Thank you for coming on. It was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. Please have you back again. Yes, sir. And we hope to see you you soon in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I want to see that show because that that can bring people out to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Bring my folks out to that one. Yeah. (laughs) All right. You guys have a good night. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you, John. All right. So, Lane, where can people find more of you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter at Monkeying Around and on Facebook at Monkeying Around. And we're also on Instagram. How about us, Chuck? Feltnerdy.com. And if you happen to be in the Knoxville area, you can see us at FrankenCon. We'll be doing a live show Saturday, June 10th at FrankenCon. It's a monster-themed, family-friendly show. And then we'll be back in the Atlanta area June 17th. We'll be at the Sandy Springs Library doing another family-friendly show there. And then if you're not into family-friendly puppet shows you can see the other kind of puppet show we do on uh, july 22nd we'll be at the sinful variety show which is uh it's a very adult oriented show you need to be uh, of age to get into that one it's uh drag puppets um burlesque we do we do the puppets part of it yes a little bit of the burlesque as uh, so that's felt nerdy what felt nerdy has coming up and what else and earth station trek our podcast about star trek all right thanks for monkeying around Thanks for monkeying around with us. Be sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and monkeyingaround.com. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> all of us nailed it the right. first time. We're on fire today. <laughs> this has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.